Where do you think you're going, Raphael? Don't be leaving. Morning, church. How's everybody doing this morning? I'm Matt, the pastoral intern here at Florence Christian Church. Uh, We're in the middle of our summer series called Rooted. We've been taking a look at different spiritual disciplines. We've gone through prayer and fasting, meditation and solitude, Bible study and service. And this morning we're going to be looking at Sabbath. So grab your Bibles or phones and turn with me to Exodus 31, 12 to 18. I know most of us probably associate the word Sabbath with rest. So if you doze off this morning, I'm just going to assume that you're making some practical application of my sermon. <laughs> so it's okay. So let's read the text. Exodus 31, 12 to 18. And the Lord said to Moses, You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And he gave, gave to Moses, when he was finished speaking with them on Mount Sinai, the two tablets of testimony, tablets of stone, written with the finger of God. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for loving your people so much that you created rest. Rest from their labors and rest in your majesty. Lord, would you bless the reading and now the preaching of your word for your glory. Amen. So, what is Sabbath? I asked my community group what they thought when they heard the word Sabbath. Some of the responses were the day of rest, Sunday, spending time with my grandma in her garden as a kid, church, lamb, focusing on God, enjoying family, the fourth commandment, Jewish tradition, as in filler on the roof, to set aside one day from work, worship, and revitalization. Google defines Sabbath as a day of religious observance and abstinence from work kept by Jews from Friday evening to Saturday evening and by most Christians on Sunday. Today we're going to look at the Sabbath law, Jesus' fulfillment of the law, and then break down what we should do now as New Testament Christians with the Sabbath. I like to define Sabbath as our call to rest in the grace of Christ's labor to rest from work, from worry, and to rest in our salvation. So let's look at the first part of verse 13. God's talking with Moses, and he says, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. Early in Exodus, chapter 20, God had given Moses his top ten do's and don'ts, the Ten Commandments. Then over the next couple of chapters, God goes on into more detail about the law. Then, 
He spends the next few chapters laying out specific detailed instructions for the tabernacle and the priestly garments, consecration of priests, the altar of incense, anointing oils, and more. And now, he says to Moses, above all, you shall keep my Sabbath. So above all these things he just laid out, God instructs Moses to keep the Sabbath. Seems odd. Here's 10 chapters of precise, detailed instructions you are to carry out, but above all, rest. God, being God, and knowing that this would sound odd to the Hebrew people, gives Moses his reasoning behind this. Let's look at the rest of verse 13 through 15. Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath, because it is holy for you. You shall keep the Sabbath. Everyone who professes, profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that stroll shall be cut off from among his people. Six days shall be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Take a day off, or I'll kill you. How serious is this moment to God that he says, if you don't take a day off, you're dead. You never hear your boss say, if I see you on Sunday, you're a goner. <laughs> we live in a world that is built on working longer, harder, and faster than the next guy. But God says, rest or you're dead. The penalty is severe because self-reliant doing is deadly. Self-reliance. Have you ever heard the expression, the only person you can rely on is yourself? I recently read a blog on Huffington Post called, Eight Reasons Why the Only Person You Can Truly Rely On Is You. Reason one, you have everything you need to be successful. Two, people will care about your world, but only to a point. Three, a helping hand will only carry you so far. Four, the older you become, the less people check on you. It's true. See? Five, you're the best person you know when the going gets tough. Six, if you want it done, then do it. Seven, others will dispense advice all day long, but you're the one who must apply it. And eight, you have more potential than anyone you know. Any of this sound familiar to you? Our natural bent is towards self-reliance. I'll just do it myself. My youngest says that all the time. We'll be in a hurry to get out the door, and I'll say, let me help you with your shoes. And he looks at me with a stubborn stare and says, I'll do it myself. Looking back at verse 13, keeping my Sabbaths, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. So after all this pretty intense list of do's and don'ts laid out in the previous 10 chapters, God says, rest, so you know that I am the one who sanctifies you. To be sanctified means to be set apart. We are set apart by God. The law God had, just written with his very finger and given to Moses, wasn't a method of salvation for the Hebrew people. It is impossible for man to keep the law, so it's impossible for man to be saved by it. Rather, rest, 
because the Lord sanctifies you. We see this in the New Testament when Paul, writing to the Galatian churches, tries to talk them down from the ledge of law-based self-righteousness. Quotes to them Deuteronomy 27.26. He writes this in Galatians 3.10. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. So if everyone who doesn't abide by all things written in the book of the law is cursed, what is the purpose of the law? Let's go back to Galatians 3. Pick it up in verse 11. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So the law God issued is not, not a means of salvation, but rather serves to show us a means for salvation is necessary. Paul spells it out here. We are cursed under the law because of inability to keep the law perfectly. So Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming the curse for us. Jesus didn't abolish the law. Rather, he fulfilled it. In Matthew 5.17, Jesus says, Do you think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets? I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. We are now under a new covenant and no longer under the guardianship of the law. So as New Testament Christians, what do we do with the Sabbath commandment? Because Jesus fulfills the law, he becomes our Sabbath rest. We no longer have to wait six days to spend one day Sabbathing. We rest in Christ and his complete work on the cross. So are we New Testament Christians to set aside one day a week where we rest in Christ? Not necessarily. The old covenant Sabbath is a shadow of what used to be, and now Jesus is that day. We no longer have to wait for a day to rest in him. Paul makes it clear in Colossians 2, 16 to 17. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Jesus is our Sabbath rest now, and is always available to us. So if Jesus is our Sabbath rest, what does that look like practically in our lives? How do we Sabbath? Well, back to Exodus 31, 16 to 17. Therefore the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. First thing here. We see God tell Israel that they should observe the Sabbath throughout their generations. Sabbath rest was meant to be passed down. Parents, we need to set an example of rest for our children. They need to see us resting in Christ continually and taking time to physically rest. 
We need to guard Sabbath rest for our children. Be intentional about when and how our families rest. Come up with a plan to rest. Decide what your non-negotiables are when it comes to resting as a family. Some of the non-negotiables in our house are family dinners. Our goal is to sit down at the table together. No TV, no phones. We talk about our day. We do highs and lows. Everyone goes around and shares the best part of the day and the worst. We aren't perfect at this, but we strive for it daily. We also try to limit the extracurricular activities we're involved in. We're usually it's a one extra at a time. Sports, nerd squad, Girl Scouts, or whatever. And when the kids ask about joining a club or playing a sport, Tiffany and I talk about it. We look at, will it sabotage family worship and how we spend our Sundays? How does it affect our weeknights, family dinners, bedtime? Can we afford it? Notice I didn't say, will they enjoy it? Kids like lots of things. My kids love Starburst, Subway Surfer, and chocolate milk so much. But they don't get to decide if, when, and how much of it they get. That's my job to help them learn how to be good stewards of their times. As parents, our biggest potential for missed opportunities with our kids lies not in neglecting activities, but in neglecting time. Lots of it. Spent together as a family in worship, rest, and in community with each other. Let's prioritize Sabbath. Time is our most limited resource. We only get 24 hours a day. And how we allocate it reveals much about our hearts. Our time usage should look radically different than that of an unbelieving family. We get 936 Sundays with our kids. Let's use them intentionally. Second thing here. God created our need for rest, and he quenches it. God created us with a need for rest, and even demonstrates how to rest in Genesis chapter 1, when he rested after creating the world and all that is in it. From the earliest pages of the Bible, we find God instituting patterns of activity and rest. Not just any kind of rest, but rest with the intent to engage in worship and community. God yearns for us to rest in him. Just like in the garden before the fall, when God walked with Adam and Eve, communing with him. God wants to live in community with us, relying on him in our daily doings. So how do we rest with the intent to engage in worship and community? How do we Sabbath? Since we aren't under the law, but saved by grace, what should Sabbath rest look like in a Christian's life? I've got three ways. One, rest from work. In our world, busyness is championed to the detriment of our souls. Wear a culture that glorifies busy. It's a mantle we wear with pride. When someone asks how you're doing, how we're doing, we're to say something like, I'm good, but crazy busy. We seem to derive our value from asserting that we're just so much busier than the next person. Our overpacked, overwhelmed schedules actually give us a sense of pride, maybe even a sense of identity. God created us to work, but to point us to our need to rest in him. Luke 10, 38, 42 says, 
Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. That's crazy. Talk. <laughs> wow. The audacity, you know? But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Martha was worried about getting everything done and serving. This isn't always a bad thing, but if our focus is on getting things accomplished, then we can lose sight of the Savior. We're bent towards self-reliance and not resting in Christ. We must be intentional about making time to rest in Jesus. Let the phone ring. The chores can wait. And social media could take a break. Those things are not eternal. Jesus is eternal. That we can make the effort to sit at his feet and enjoy him rather than miss him like Martha, Martha did because she was fussing over the dishes. As we go through the rhythms of our week, we often think, I'll put off rest until the end of the week, or we will let work bleed into the time we should be resting. But rest should come at the beginning of the week, before our week even begins. It should be more, it could be more beneficial for us if we do this. We go through our week self-reliant, on our own gumption. Do we still have the thirst for our Savior? How much more would we be kingdom-focused and reliant on him throughout the week if we start with resting in him? Resting in the grace of Christ is not a requirement we have to follow, but a benefit and blessing from God for us. So here's a question. What are you doing this afternoon? How will you rest in the Lord today? In my family, we keep Sundays pretty simple. Today was not. This is a typical Sunday in my house. Usually I get up around 6 or in my heart, do some uh, devotions and whatnot, but I had to work late last night, and so I slept in until 6.30. So, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> then we usually listen to some music at 7 o'clock, start rocking out our family playlist. That usually starts at 7, but today start at 7.30. So then it becomes a mad dash to get everyone dressed, including myself, that today I was the last to get dressed. Teeth brushed, breakfast done, and in the car. Not going to lie, this time is usually not restful. <laughs> Refer to my early comment, we need to go. Can I help you with your shoes? Now we get to worship with our church family. Corporate worship is a vital reminder for believers that it's not about us. Paul David Tripp puts it this way, Corporate worship is designed to remind us that in the center of all things is a glorious and gracious king, and that king is not you. After church, we get together with our people, our community group. We'll spend the afternoon talking and eating. We'll celebrate with full stomachs all that the Lord has done. Then we'll worship together, pray together, and go through the community group questions and talk about God. Then, we'll linger. Some people will have to go, but others will just hang out. 
We sit and talk while all the kids play, resting in Christ with the community he's given us. Then tonight, as our house quiets down, we chill. Tiffany and I usually sit in the garage and talk. It's like, what? The garage is usually the quietest place in our house. And it's actually a room now. But We talk about all kinds of things, how the sermon, about the sermon or a discussion the community group went. We share our burdens with each other. We pray for each other. We talk about the things of God together. This might be the best part of my Sunday, sitting with my helpmeet and enjoying the grace of Christ's labor. Sundays are the best day of my week. I look forward to them. That's why Kevin gives me the day off. Just waking up and having time to orient my heart around Christ, being able to come here to worship with all of you and to gather with people who I love and love me and my family, to sit with them and enjoy the fruit of Christ's labor, then to sit with my wife and just rest in Christ together. Sundays are a gift from God, and I hope that my kids would tell you that Sundays are their favorite day of the week also. So I'd encourage you to think about this right now. What are you doing this afternoon? Catching up on work? Getting ready for Monday? Cutting the grass? Laundry? Grocery shopping? Chores? Rest instead. Invite someone over for lunch. Turn to the couple behind you and make dinner plans. Go on a hike or a walk. My favorite, take a nap. (laughs) Sit with your spouse and talk about the things of God. Just sit and rest. Rest in the grace of his labor. Two, rest from worry. Psalm 127.2 says, It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives his beloved sleep. Don't eat the bread of anxious toil. It has carbs. (laughs) Cast your anxiety on him. He cares for you. This week at VBS, one of the Bible points was, when you worry, Right, Jesus rescues. It's that simple. Matthew eleven twenty eight thirty reminds us. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find your rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Three, rest in your salvation. To rest in the grace of Christ's labor ultimately means to stop being self-reliant. Stop trying to earn salvation with, with God by your works. Lay your deadly doing down. The law points to our need for a Savior. We have all sinned against God. We are cursed under the law. But God being rich in mercy, sent Christ to hang on a tree and become that curse for us. Salvation comes when we repent and believe this. Christian, rest in your salvation, secured on the cross, by faith alone, grace alone, and in Christ alone. And if you're not a Christian, 
Stop laboring in vain. Rest in Christ. It's that simple. Repent and trust in him. To close, I wanted to share some lyrics from an old hymn. This probably sums up resting in Christ far better than I ever could. Nothing ever great or small, nothing sinner, no. Jesus died and paid it all ever long ago. And rest in the hands of the Savior, rest in him. Rest in the grace of his labor, rest in him. When he from his lofty throne stooped to do and die, everything was fully done, hearken to his cry. Weary working burden one, wherefore toil you so? Cease your doing, all was done, ever long ago. Till to Jesus' work you cling, but a simple faith. Doing is a deadly thing, but by his work we're saved. It is finished, yes, indeed. Finished we were bought. Sinners, this is all we need. Tell me, is it not? We lay our deadly doing down, down at Jesus' feet. Stand in him and him alone, gloriously complete. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Help us to rest in you to rest in your finished work on the cross. Help us to enjoy the fruits of your labor. Convict us of times we are overworking, overworrying, and being self-reliant. Help us to lay our deadly doing down and to stand in you alone, gloriously complete. Amen. come to our time of communion. Another chance to orient our hearts around God by remembering what Christ did for us on the cross. Each week we get to hold a tangible reminder of his body broken for us, the bread, and we drink the cup as a reminder of his blood shed for us. 1 Corinthians says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink in it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The ushers are going to pass the elements. Hold them in your hands and meditate on what they symbolize and take them as you feel led. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for these tangible symbols of your sacrifice on our behalf. We do this in remembrance of you. Amen.